Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Lord, we just thank you today. We just say hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Just want to remain, if you're comfortable, just have your eyes closed and just... I just want you to maybe just picture yourself just before the throne of God. just want to give you all the glory. Lord, you are the king. You're the king of this church. You're the king of the church. You're the king of this city. You're the king of this country. You're the king of this nation. You're the king of the world. And we just adore you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we just come and say thank you for loving us as a father and a best friend, even though you're the king of everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every person in this place here right now, Lord, that's here for a reason right this morning, that God knew you would be here at this moment in time. And Father, I just pray for a word of substance and significance from heaven for every heart that would receive this morning. give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, amen, amen. Great to be with you. Thank you, worship team. Please take a seat. Thank you, worship team. And as has been said, my name's Brad, and it's just great to be with you this morning at church. And uh, how is everybody? Good. Some of us may be good. Some of us tired. Some of us frustrated. Some of us maybe had a good week, a bad week, an in-between week. But it's just so good that we can come together and just praise the Lord and uh, beautiful communion time and just get our hearts focused and fixed back on Jesus, yeah? But if you're here this morning, you may be here and you're just checking things out, you don't follow Jesus, I want to say, I'm so glad you're here. This is a church for anybody and everybody and a place where you can come and be accepted and you don't have to believe just to belong, hey? Because God loves you where you're at and we love you where you're at, so it's awesome. And uh, we've been in a series over January uh, looking a bit about who we are as a church, so some of the some of the significant things that we really value, they're found on our website, and we've been looking at things how we are more than a Sunday, how we are outward focused, how we are uh, uh, future generation focused. We looked at last week, and and this week, what I want to focus on is the the fourth key there, and it sort of it, it brings them all together in a way. It brings everything together, and it says that you know part of who we are and who we aspire to be is a community who reconcile all people with God. That's what it says, reconcile all people with God. It says we are committed to becoming a healing community. Isn't that cool? A healing community, a place of healing, not just physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, that, that God cares about every part of your life. And, and he actually died not for... As I love what was said this morning, not just so you can be half you, he died for you to be fully whole. Sozo, salvation, that word wholeness. Truly, you know, back how God wanted you to be. You know, the curse is reversed and you are blessed. Oh, it's good. We're a healing community, I believe. It says, engaged in the work of reconciliation wherever sin and evil hold sway. A church which welcomes the spiritually curious and treats everyone with gentleness and respect. I think they're great words. I think they're great words that line up with overall our heart here has been all through the month of January. We have a heart and this is why I felt called to the role here. This is why I felt called to come and serve and, uh, and be in this role is because of the heart that we 
are here for people who are not here. Did you know the church is the only organization on the planet that exists for its non-members? Every other organization, you, you remember, you know, you exist for what you do, the golf club, the footy club, the church. We exist for people who are not members, and that's our heart. Our heart is not for us only, but to get the word out, to get the gospel out. And um, if you've got your Bibles or your, your apps or your phones or your scrolls or your manuscripts or the, ten ta- the tablets, go to two bits of Scripture. Uh, we're going to be landing on Luke 15, so you can put a place there. But first, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to walk. Who likes the Bible this morning? I hope so, because I've got some really powerful thoughts with you from the Word of God, which is good, because you don't want Brad's Word. You want God's Word this morning, because it's a lot better. And we're going to read a bit about this word of, of reconciling all people to God. That's what it says, all people. All people. Even people that don't go for the dockers. Let reconcile all people to God. <laughs> all right, have you there? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start at a famous verse, uh, uh, 17. And we're going to just read a few scriptures and going to walk through and see what the Lord would say to us. Father, speak clearly this morning. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Other translations say, behold, if anyone, any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, it says, all things have become new. And that's a great promise. That's a great truth of when you give your life to Jesus, you are not, he doesn't, Jesus didn't come to give us band-aids. Jesus didn't die to make you a better person, a better version of yourself. Jesus came to make dead people alive, to make that which was dead alive. He came to regenerate you, the Bible says. It says here that you all things have become new. So it's really helpful to know in your journey this, the powerful meaning of verse 17, a very well quoted verse. It's powerful to know the truth of it because who knows that when you do get saved, when you do start to follow Jesus, there are some things that just don't feel new. you still got the same problems. You still weigh the same. Suddenly didn't get a six-pack when I got saved. I've still got issues. I've still got habits. I've st- but, but it says, but behold, all things have become new. What's going on with this? Like, I, I don't feel like I'm new, and I'm here to tell you this morning to get the power of this verse is... Faith is not a feeling. And the place that you have, where this scripture is talking about, if anyone is in Christ, all things are new, is, is a spiritual term that you are brand new. You are totally all new in your spirit being. So you are created in the image of God. You are body, soul, and spirit. You have a body. You live in a body. But you are a spirit. So the best way to say it is you are a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. And the part of you, one third of you right now, will never get more saved than it has ever been. That is your spirit. Your spirit is just as perfect as Jesus is right now. Totally saved. All things have become new. Your spirit won't get any, you are one third sealed, saved. It's not going to change in heaven. Now your soul needs renewing in your mind. That's why we need the word of God, that we renew our mind and then our soul starts to be renewed and our mind, will and emotions come into alignment with the spirit. And when you get your soul into alignment with your spirit, it will actually impact the tent you live in called your body. 
So you are totally healed right now in your spirit, totally healed. You won't get more healed. It's already been done. By his stripes, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. Past tense, it happened at the cross, the atonement. At one moment, it was done. Your spirit is at perfect peace right now. You don't need to go and find inner peace. You have inner peace in your spirit realm. You don't need to go and find more joy. You have all the joy you need. It's in your spirit realm. You don't need to go and find self-control. If I can just give more, you have self-control. It's in your spirit realm. And it wants to get out. It wants to, it want, this is why the Bible says don't walk according to the flesh. Walk according to the spirit. And it wouldn't tell you to do something if you couldn't do it. You can bring your body and soul, mind, will, and emotions into alignment with the spirit of God. And that's why it's a journey. But it's a powerful thought that you are brand new. But that helped me with that verse because I was like, man, where's all the new? All things aren't new. And you can be tempted as a young Christian to suddenly give up and go, this Christian stuff doesn't work. It's not like that. It's already worked. It's, and now it wants to work out from you. Work, your, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then it says in verse 18, all this, so all that wonderful news I just told you, all that wonderful stuff, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Don't see the words again, reconciled us, the ministry of reconciliation. Who knows that the minute he gave us that ministry and the ministry of reconciliation is the same as the cross of Jesus Christ. It points in two directions. It is a vertical reconciliation. It is horizontal reconciliation. When you truly embrace the gospel, it will have an impact not just on your relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. It has to. It has to outwork in that way. And it says that we have this ministry, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world, the world or humanity, not just Christians, the world. He was reconciling humanity to himself in Christ, not counting or imputing, not counting people's sins against them. Just on that verse there, verse 19. See, how did God reconcile the world to himself? Well, the way he did it is this, by not counting people's sin against them. That's a powerful thought that the way God goes about bringing reconciliation in our lives is by not counting our sin against us because obviously Jesus paid for it as we've celebrated. But the way to reconcile the world is to not going around counting their sin against them, but giving them the kindness of God, the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. This is a great evangelistic tool. It is the goodness of God that brings people to reconciliation. It's not hellfire and brimstone and you're going to go to hell when you die, but it is knowing how great God is, how good he is how merciful he is how loving he is that he has reconciled everything he's done everything it is all from him and it's his goodness and kindness that leads people to say hey i need this jesus i still don't mind a bit of hell in the pulpit every now and then they say if you have a bit of hell from the pulpit you'll keep it out of the pews <laughs> i don't know but i yeah I, I, the fear of god is a good thing anyway it says that there and then it goes on to say and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation that's our message, not counting people's sin against them. That's what we've been committed. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God, the righteousness of God, that we might become right with God. 
So we're talking this morning about reconciling all people to God, that that's what we value, all people. All people, even Collingwood supporters. We're in for every, we'll go for anybody here. <laughs> but it says all people. The word reconcile means to reestablish friendship between or settle or resolve a dispute between two parties. Basically, it's the reuniting of two alienated parties back into harmony. That's what reconciliation is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had it, if you've been married longer than three minutes and you've ever had a Barney with the missus. You've ever had an argument with your wife. Don't put your hand up yet, but maybe it was on the way here this morning. But when you have, what happens is something gets in between you, something gets in between you. And if that isn't reconciled, what can happen is you can sleep millimeters apart at night and be miles apart in your heart. Because reconciliation isn't geographic. (laughs) And you can be close together. We can be in the same building. We can be in the same area. But God's desire is that we be reconciled with Him. And and what that means is there needs to be something that happens where you are at peace again. Where where, where she says sorry and we move on with life. Amen? (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I try to say things like, because I'm trying to encourage this guy to one day preach to get me back for all this sort of stuff. Go on, you know, do a message to get me back, but it's not working. But we want to have that reconciliation that Adam lost with the, he took the, and sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, and then we had ought between us and God. There's this big gap. We are separated from God spiritually, and we needed Jesus to come and reconcile us. The next scripture, first, uh, sorry, Colossians 1.21 says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies, catch this, so not being a Christian is just not going, oh, well, that Jesus guy. The Bible says it's actually to be an enemy with God because you are born separate from God, not in relationship with God. There's been a sever. We are, need reconciliation. And it says alienated and we're en- enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And catch this bit, to present you wholly in his sight. See, where is that found? Again, in your, your, our spirits. You are holy. You are holy, 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 just like Jesus in his sight, without blemish and free from ac- accusation. That is how you stand before God. And you're like, Brad, but I don't feel like that. Faith is not a feeling. The gospel is not a feeling. It's the truth of the word of God. And your feelings will catch up with your theology. If you cement your theology down, your feelings will catch up. Go on. Oh, so when I stuff up, when you fall into temptation, when you do something, when you sin, when you say that thing you shouldn't have said, when you have, and you just think, why did I do that? Just suddenly say to yourself, go, thank you, Lord, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because that's the truth. You may make, we, st- we still fall, we still fall over, but the Bible says a righteous man, he, though he falls seven times, he gets back up. Why righteous? Because he knows who he is in Christ. It says in verse 20, going back to our first scripture there, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ. I love this word. I'm just going to jump into this quickly. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. I love that thought. You're sitting next to an ambassador this morning. And who knows, an ambassador, generally speaking, is a respected official, a government official, acting as a representative of a nation or a government. An ambassador is sent from a foreign land, And his role, catch this, an ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the sovereign body that gave him that authority. So when our ambassador goes out, the ambassador comes from another country. And when he goes, he represents the country. He represents that. He never goes with his own opinions. He goes with the official opinions of his government. 
He never goes with his own authority. He goes with the authority that he has been given by his government. And it says that if we are to bring the message of reconciliation to the world around us, you need to know something. And that is this, that you're an ambassador. And you need to learn to, we need to learn to function as ambassadors for Christ. I love that thought. Um, we are not, it says this, the next quote on the screen, I oh, know it's already there. We are God's ambassadors in that we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. As we go through this world, we represent another kingdom. And it is our responsibility to reflect the official position of heaven. Oh, that's good. We, we re- reflect and represent heaven on earth. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, of heaven, we are in this world, but not of it, as Jesus said in John 17. And a couple of things about ambassadors is, one, ambassadors are appointed by the king. They're not voted in, in certain places anyway. And, and I love that thought, that you have been chosen by God to be his ambassador. He looks at you, and he loves you, and he wants you to represent the message of reconciliation. This isn't for the preacher, the pastor, or, the, or, or any ministry in the church. This is for every person to say, you know what, I am an ambassador. I am called to reconcile people to God. And you don't carry your authority. You carry the authority that heaven and Jesus has given us. Another point is that the ambassadors are fully covered. All costs and resources are covered by their government. Just let that sink in. Everything they need is supplied. Everything they need is covered. So when they need, whatever they need for the situation, their government's got it. Isn't it good news that our government owns a cattle on a thousand hills? Isn't it good news that he's promised to su- supply all our needs, not only our needs, but to give us everything we need according to his bank account in heaven? His riches in heaven? Not yet? I want it now. <laughs> and he has given us everything we need, and sometimes we don't feel like that, but again, it's not a feeling. It's saying, Lord, it's in your spirit. You've got everything you need. You won't get any more in your spirit. And it's, so it's trusting God for that. So I want to say to us this morning, we are well resourced here for reconciliation to the world around us, to Kalamunda and beyond. We are well resourced to bring reconciliation, to see God move through our lives in such a way, not just a message on a Sunday, but a life lived every day. But we need to know how to, how to really use our resources, because it's a bit like having a gym membership, um, which many people have this time of year, by the way, January. Gym memberships are through the roof February, they're all, you know, because <laughs> it's like having the membership but not using it. It's like having everything you need but not using it. So I want to give us this morning as we're going to land now in, in that scripture of Luke uh, 15, because we don't, want, we don't want these values just to be on our website. We want them to be in our hearts and live them. And so to be that person that really carries a heart for reconciliation, I want to speak to that as we go out this morning from Luke chapter 15, about having the heart for reconciliation. Because if you don't have the heart for it, you know you've got everything you need, but you've got to have the heart for it. And the thing about Luke chapter 15, sorry, 15, it's a famous chapter because it's called the lost chapter of the Bible. Because Jesus starts telling some stories about lost things. And I just want to focus on the first story, and then we'll land on the last one at the end. But at the, I want to focus on the first story because it's got sheep in it, and I think I can always speak good about sheep. So Luke 15 verse 1 says this. This is really good. You ready? This is really good if you catch this first one. Just the first verse. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near 
to him to hear. That's Jesus. Then all the tax collectors, why is he saying, what's he saying? Oh, so he's just letting you know the audience in this situation. All the tax collectors, tax collectors are the people you don't leave your kids with. They're the people you don't trust. They're the people ripping everyone off. They're the Collingwood supporters. They're the people no one like. Just, and, and anyway, they're the, they're the people. And the sinners, well, that's just the sinners. They're obviously not, not following uh, God's righteous ways. And it says that they drew near to hear Jesus. Because when you truly carry a message of reconciliation, you should be attractive to sinners. They should see something about you that isn't just religious and holy huddle. But man, what do I want to hear? I want to lean in. They're leaning in. Verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained. I love this thought. So the, the tax collectors and sinners drew near, but the church people complained. They're like, why is he letting these people get into his, his inner circle? We're going to complain about that. That's, that's what religion does. It complains when the church goes on mission. Religion complains when we really want to stand up and be like Jesus and reach all people for Jesus. Yes, all people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God's got a heart for you. And sometimes religion goes, oh, I don't know about that. But Jesus is right there. And the Pharisees are complaining, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Wow. That's when the church gets real. Verse 3, so Jesus is going to address this. He's going to address his, the heart, I believe, the heart of what he's all about, of reconciling people to God. So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which he lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Just get a picture of me out in the paddock, right? Lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Come on, rejoice with me. I found my sheep, which was lost. Jesus then said, I say, that, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just people who have no need to repent. Jesus is saying something we've got to grab a hold of. He's saying what makes heaven happy, what really makes heaven happy is when one person turns their life to Jesus, repents, goes 180 and comes to follow Jesus and turns from their sin and follows. That's what really gets a party going in heaven. And he says, I want that to be your heart. I want that to be the thing that gets a party going on the inside of you over people that come to know Jesus that repent. So a couple of thoughts from this passage about a heart of reconciliation. Number one is a heart of reconciliation sees lost thing. People sees the lost, notices the lost. Notice that this shepherd in Jesus' little story he told was obviously attentive to his sheep. He was attentive to the ones that would wander. He knew them by name. He knew them so closely. A shepherd would know his sheep. And he's attentive today to people that are here. And you've wandered off. You've wandered. You've drifted, as has been said. You're drifting. And he's attentive because he doesn't want you to drift so far. His heart is to notice you. His heart is to see you. I'm so glad about that. You know, having two little daughters, one of the, one of the phrases you hear a lot is this. Daddy, watch me. Watch me. And you'll be doing something, you know, something really important, like on your phone, on Facebook, or something really important, Instagramming. And watch me, watch me. I'm in the pool. I've already seen you do that pool somersault 700 times, but I've got to watch you again. Why? Because their heart needs to be seen. People have a heart, 
an innate need in their life, a spiritual need to be noticed, to be seen, to be known. Do you see me, Dad? Do you see me? And you know, that's what we need to, that's what God is saying. I see you. And who knows that if we don't, for a next generation, side note, if we're not dads and parents that say, I see you, I see you, I watch you, then they'll find someone else who will see them. They'll find something else to fulfill that need. They'll find something else when they get older. So we need to be saying, I see you, I love you, I validate you, because that's what a shepherd does to his sheep. He sees you where you're at. And this morning, I want to tell you, wherever you're at in life, however dark it's got, God sees you. Number two, not only does he see you, but he values you. He values the lost. These sheep meant something to the shepherd. We, um, some of you know that we, me and Sky took a little step, a little venture uh, before starting the role here with Kalamun, and we actually bought 50 sheep of our own. So I became a real shepherd, and we've got 50 sheep up around Noble Falls, and and we got them in there, and I was able to clean them up and drench them and do all the things, get them ready, and so excited. We plan on you know, getting a lamb and I'll shear them, get a fleece, just a little venture we've got, we've decided to do, it's lots of fun and, uh, I get, and we're just, I was scrolling Facebook about three weeks later and somebody's written on Facebook with a photo of these sheep saying, does anybody know who these sheep belong to? There's about 30 to 50 of them and they're in our, in our paddocks and I just kept scrolling and I scrolled back, I'm like, they look like my sheep. And so there was no time to waste. I was ringing the, the guy that owns the property. We were going straight there now because who knows, they were valuable to me. I just saw our investment jump a fence and I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking, what if we don't get them back? So we went and we found them and they were off and they were not coming back. They were really keen not to come back and I found there was a fence. There was a place in the fence. Who knows, sometimes there are places in our lives where, they, where the enemy is just looking to find. He's going around and around. Where's that place? Where's that vulnerable place? that's where they can get out and that's where they'll come anyway they got out and so I rang the guy and we had to get two guys on motorbikes myself running and I'm literally running and we're like chasing them we had to cut a fence and put the whole fence down and then try to get them back in and we got them right to the fence who knows sheep hate crossing over lines like the fence line was there and it was a bit of like um, concrete and they all got there 50 sheep looking over like that and I'm like just take one more step I thought this is just like church <laughs> like just Step over, come and serve, come and change, come and do something. And then, but you know what they all did? Like, we, let's push them over. So we pushed a bit harder. And who knows, we need low stress stock handling. I've talked about that before. You don't push the sheep because suddenly they went boom and then they've gone again and they've just taken off. And my wonderful landlord, what a champion guy, gets on his four wheeler and he goes up and then I see him chasing him, gets up a hill and he actually falls off the four-wheeler and it's rolling back towards him and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not going to end well. My landlord's going to die getting my sheep back. And he just missed him, rolled over and it rolled past him. Oh, it was a big day. But anyway, we got him back to that line and we just waited. And once one went, once one goes, the power of a leader, the power of influence, they all followed. We need some leaders in this place that'll take that step, that won't just notice people, but will take steps for reconciliation, that step over the line and say, come on, I don't care what you think of me, I don't care what I look like, I don't care what you say, I'm going for Jesus. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he values his sheep. And I tell you what, I valued them sheep, I got them back and the first thing I did was fencing. I fenced that thing up like Fort Knox, man, they're not getting out anywhere now. And we go there lots of days to check on them. And uh, I forgot my little sermon illustration thing. Oh, well. Has anyone got $50 on them? 
Have I got a $50 note, John? Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. No need, no, there's actually, there didn't. There was no need for that, I just... <laughs> no, nah, just joking. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Just for the point of my illustration, you can, definitely can have it back. Um, how much is this worth? It's not a trick question. Why is it worth $50? Because it says so. Because there is an authority that has said that this is worth $50 and you can do something with this $50. Now, who would like the $50? Oh, it's Dave's. I can't really give it away, but who would like it? You would... Is there any uni students that would like that? I never went to uni, but I've always told that they're the ones that need it the most. Oh, we've got apprentices. That's right. Anyway, would, you say you would like this, but what if, and I'm so, really sorry to do this today, but what if I was to really scrunch it up like this and just. Now, who would still like it? It's changed. You'd still like it? All right. What if I was to spit on it and like. Spit on it and then just jump on it. I don't know. <laughs> it's working. It's working. Would you still want it? The truth is you would still want it. Why? Because it has not lost its value. It could get screwed up, scrunched up, messed up, but it's still valuable to the, some, to the God. It's still valuable because the authority says, you know what? That hasn't changed. You can take it to any shop and it hasn't changed. And I want to tell you all the screw-ups, all the mess-ups, all the things you've been through, the abuse, the stuff you can't understand, the relationship struggle. It might have changed how you feel and look, but I want to tell you, you've never lost your value to God. You are the same to God. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> and I love that thought. <laughs> you never lose your worth. In God's eyes, you are just as valuable. And we need to know that because if we're going to carry the message of reconciliation, it comes from a heart that values people. And this point, next point is also a heart that will go after, I'll jump over the line, go after the one. Go after the one. You could be mistakenly thinking, oh, it's just one sheep. It's just one sheep. And you probably heard the story about that man on the ocean throwing back, you know, all the starfish. There's just millions of them everywhere and, and they're all on the ocean, all dying or whatever, however that story goes and he's just throwing them back and someone comes along, a stranger, and says, what are you doing? You, you think you're going to make a difference? And he picks up the one and he goes, made a difference to that one. Because it makes a difference to one. We need to be going after the one. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. You know, Jesus had a habit of hanging out with the ones and the twos. And one time in Mark chapter 2, he's at a tax collector's house. And again, the religious people saw this and they couldn't believe that he's eating and drinking with tax collectors. And so he heard them and he made a statement in uh, 2 verse 17. And he said this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Isn't that the truth? That this is a place, a healing community for sick people. And it's okay that we all carry sickness. We all carry something. We all carry issues. And it's okay. God is here. He's coming after the one. He wants to find you because that's what Jesus said. Our purpose is to reconcile you to God. And Jesus did this a lot. I remember he went... Luke 8 moved from the crowds, went through a storm on a lake, all to get to this one guy with a legion of demons in him. And he made a difference with one guy with a legion of demons, set this guy free, went to the one, and look at the effect that had everywhere. He also crossed over some cultural and some boundaries, and he went to a well where a woman was. 
and would never be done. He would, you'd never do that. You'd never step over that line and go after the one. But he went to a woman at a well and talked to her, which shouldn't have been done, the culture of the day. And he went there and he made a difference with the one woman, the woman that had all these relationship baggage in her life. And Jesus is like, I'm after the one. Whatever's going on in the baggage of your life, your family, your friends, your marriage, Jesus is saying, I want to come and be the one with you because I care about you. Jesus has a habit of finding the ones. He saw a one climb up a tree by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wasn't liked by very many people. But he said, today is lunch at your place, Zach. And he went there and made a difference in the one, which had a difference in the whole community as Zacchaeus repented and started just giving everything back. He wants to make a difference in the ones. So in this chapter of Luke 15, it goes from one sheep out of a hundred. And then he tells a story about a lady with ten coins that goes from... 10 coins, losing one, and he still cares about the one coin out of the 10. And then he really hones it in and he goes to talking about one father with two sons who loses one son. You know the story, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, because the heart is to go after the one. I'm going to finish with that story where the prodigal son, where this son went up to his father one day, there's two sons, but this Youngest son said, Dad, I want everything. Give me, the, give me everything, everything I'm entitled to. And the culture of a day for a son to do that, he was basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because I don't get it to you, Dad, but I wish you were dead. You're dead to me. And their fellowship just suddenly changed and took his inheritance. And the story goes, he went and he spent it all on wild living and he spent it all on pleasure and he spent it all on himself. And he came to the end of himself when he was so still thirsty, he was hungering and thirsting, but he was looking in all the wrong places as he hungered and thirsted. And he got to the point where he was so desperate and he just had nothing left that he ends up working for a guy in, in a, feeding his pigs and he's in the pig pen so low wishing that he could even eat the food that the pigs are eating. He's totally now cut off. He's at enmity with his father. There's, he's alienated from him. He's He's chosen to go his own way and he's out there on his own. But something happens, the Bible says, as he's in that pig pen, the Bible says he came, came to himself. He came to himself. He had a moment where he realized, this isn't who I am. In fact, he said, in my father's house, all the servants get better food than this. All the servants are looked after. And he makes a decision. He says, I'm going to run back to the father and I'm going to beg him just to let me be a servant. And he started writing a speech and he writes this speech saying, I'm just, Dad, just let me be one of your servants. If I could just come, come home and be a servant. And he's writing this speech. And there he goes and he starts going towards home. And you could just see him practicing and practicing like a preacher, practicing a manuscript. He's thinking, if I just get the words right, Dad might have mercy on me. And he gets there and to his surprise the father had been waiting every day and he's standing there and he's looking out and in the distance the father sees his son and the father not filled with anger or hate but with a heart of reconciliation what does a heart of reconciliation do it runs to the ones it runs to them he starts to run and in the culture of the day a Jewish man would never run he would have to lift up his garments and expose his legs which was called undignified you don't do that, you're totally undignified. And to run, you don't run, you walk. People run to you, you're the master. You don't run to others. 
they run to you. But he's just totally undignified, like David with his linen ephod on, dancing around. He lifts up his gun and he runs to his son. And in that run, his son must be thinking, what the heck is going on? And his dad's got his arms stretched out wide and grabs him and kisses him. And the son then begins his speech and he goes, here I go, dad, let me be. And before he can finish his speech, The dad cuts him off mid-sentence, won't even let him get it out and says, this is what I want you to do. I want to get all my servants. Now it's time to serve the son. He says, get, uh, let me actually read it to you. He says, he says, but father said to him, quick, said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I love this thought. The father said, quick. You know why he said quick? He said quick because if it didn't happen quick, this son would start to believe the lie that he's just a servant. He'd start to believe a lie that what he has been through defines him. Don't ever believe the lie that what you've been through labels you, that what you've been through defines you. And the father said, quick, I want him to hear this. He needs a robe, he needs a ring, he needs sandals because I want to restore his identity. That's what true reconciliation does. It doesn't just say, sorry, sorry. True reconciliation brings forgiveness in a way that restores the other person, restores them to their rightful place. It's like the man, the shepherd with the sheep, he put it on his shoulders. What did he do? He's restoring it. He takes it back, puts it into the flock because he would take the weight. He would carry the weight of restoration and reconciliation. This sheep couldn't do it. The shepherd can. The shepherd did it on the cross. The shepherd did it when he took all your weight, all my weight, all the sin that separated us. We're unreconcilable. And he reconciled us. And then he restores our identity, the best robe. I love that. He didn't say just bring a robe. Bring the best robe. I want him to know who he is. The best robe. He's my son. And he covers him. He covers the shame. You know, as that robe went on, you could probably smell the pigs. You could probably see the pig food. You could probably see it all over him and what he had been through. And he says, I don't want him to see that. I don't want you to see that. So he puts the robe of righteousness on him. You're reconciled to me. Then he puts a ring on his finger and that ring, which meant so much more. But one thing a ring means, when you, it means where, who you belong to, doesn't it? You put up your ring, you know, I belong to somebody else. I'm not wearing mine because when I, I, I sometimes don't wear it due to shearing and other work. But when I wear that ring, you know who I belong to? I belong to Sky. She belongs to me. We're one. We're together. We're, we're one. The Father's saying, you are one with me. And then he put sandals on his feet because only uh, slaves didn't get to wear sandals, but the sons did. And so he's like, you are restored. You are restored. And this is God's heart for us to be a community that have that heart. Are you with me this morning? Sorry, I know I'm going a bit longer, but I hope you're with me that this is the heart we need to have to reconcile all people to God, to restore them into identity of who they are. And in a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer, if you want to come forward for prayer. And we're making a habit of this going forward, just to let you know that after the message is finished, if God's doing things in your heart, we're designating and we're formalizing a prayer team. I've asked people here that can come forward and pray, people that we trust to pray with you. And if you want to come forward during that time of ministry, we're going to sing some, some extra songs. But listen, if you need to go, or if you, you, you need to go and have a coffee or talk with people, fellowship, there's time that you can, you can do that. But there will be times after the service 
Does that make sense? Well, we're going to just stay and linger in God's presence. Don't feel awkward if you need to go. That's fine. We'll, you, you're released. But there'll be times to come and receive prayer. And I, this morning specifically, I'd love to put the call out. If you are away from God, if you're like that prodigal, and you need to come and run back to the Father. Come back this morning. Come and pray. I'd love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you and recommit your life. That could be you this morning. Or maybe it's you this morning and you just this heart for reconciliation. You're like, Brad, I want to have that heart. Would you pray? Let's pray and impart that heart to me. Because I, I want it, but I need the Holy Spirit to really give me that hunger and thirst for it. Come and receive prayer. Come and pray. The Message Bible says this, and I want to read you in the Message Bible. The paraphrase, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as good as a day. God isn't late with His promises as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on account of you, holding back the end because He doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone the space and time to change. God's heart is that nobody be lost. Nobody. Nobody. And that's our heart here at Kalamunda. Would you stand with me as we pray? And I'm going to hand back to the worship team, but I just want to pray for us. Father, we just come to you this morning and we thank you for your heart to reconcile us. We thank you that our great ambassador came all the way from heaven and brought that government on his shoulders, that he reconciled us back to you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that our relationship is all based on blood, not on behavior. It's based on blood, not our performance. We thank you, Father, that we are your sons, your daughters, part of your family, and you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you notice people here today. You know exactly where they're at, and you love them right there because you value them so much. And Father, just as we're praying as a church, would you give us that sense of unity about being a people that are all about reconciling all people to you, God? There's no greater need at any time in history, any time whenever, no greater need right today than seeing people reconciled, coming to right relationship with you. Holy Spirit, do your good work amongst us as we pray, as people respond to your promptings.